Before we start the show, I want to tell you about Entrepreneurs on Fire, hosted by John Lee Dumas, available now on the HubSpot Podcast Network. Entrepreneurs on Fire stokes inspiration and shares strategies to fire up your entrepreneurial journey. Recent episodes you should check out are How to Multiply Your Business Value with IP Assets, How College Sophomores Turn $20, a Cell Phone, and a Dream into a Cookie Company Valued at Over $500 million. How to live tax-free as an entrepreneur. I think I'm going to go listen to that one myself. If you are looking for tips and strategies to create the business and life you've always dreamed of, then listen to Entrepreneurs on Fire wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Business Made Simple podcast brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Every week on the show, we coach you to build your business like an airplane. The cockpit is your leadership. The body is your overhead the right engine is your marketing, the left engine is your sales, the wings are your products, and the fuel tanks are your cash flow. If you master the six parts of a small business, your business will fly far and fast. Every week, we help a business owner just like you optimize their airplane. I'm your host, Donald Miller. Well, today is a special episode because I got asked to speak to the students at the Hankamer School of Business at Baylor University. They wanted to know about marketing, and they actually chose to talk to me and say, define what marketing actually is. And, you know, when I was done, I talked to my producer, Bobby, and he liked it so much. He said, Every, everybody needs to hear this. And not only that, if you have a kid in college, send them this episode. Because I don't just talk about how to market products. I actually talk about how to market you as a student in a university. How do you market yourself? How do you actually become more valuable on the open market. Here's my lecture to the Hankamer School of Business at Baylor University. Customers tend to buy things when they read or hear words that make them want to buy things. And it's not just buying things. Sometimes it's ideas. If a leader has an idea that they want people to subscribe to or understand, they have to communicate very, very clearly. If a political leader wants to get votes, they need to communicate very clearly. They need an offer. You know, you'd call it in maybe marketing or business language an offer. I would actually say the most powerful way to influence a group of people, though, is to invite them into a story, not to tell a story. Telling a story is interesting. It's great. But if you actually want to change the world, invite people to play a hero in a story and set out what those the details of that stories are, what the plot points of that story are. You know, you look at any mass movement, you look at Mohandas Gandhi in India, you look at uh, Martin Luther King, uh, you, you look at uh, Mother Teresa, and you, you say, okay, how did they get so much momentum and so many people behind them? Really what they each did was they invited the public, the body politic, if you will, to assume an identity of hero and overcome a challenge and even defeat a villain so that they could experience a release from their burdens and struggle and you know potentially freedom or what we would say in story structure is a climactic scene. It's the same thing though, if you look at it, that Coca-Cola does to sell more cans of Coca-Cola or any of their other products. Sadly, it's also what some bad actors do if they wanna cause chaos. And, you know, it's what Putin is doing to his own people in Russia. He's inviting them into a story. He's vilifying the people of Ukraine and so forth and so on, and inviting them to defeat those awful people in the current war in Ukraine. So these, these tools can be used for good or they can be used for evil. I trust that uh, as I speak to a group of Baylor University students, uh, you will use them for good <laughs> and I'll share them with you 
at a summary level uh, in today's talk, how do you invite people into a story so that they engage with your ideas, they buy your products? How do you do that? Well, first of all, let's talk about why. Why would you use story? Well, the average brain spends about 30% of its time daydreaming, 30% of its time daydreaming. That is you know, just more or less checked out. And the reason our brains check out is not because we're not disciplined. It's actually a survival mechanism. I believe God has designed the brain to ignore information that isn't going to help you survive. Now, when I say help you survive, I mean, that's what the brain is looking for. It's its dominant job. The dominant objective of the human brain is to keep you on the planet. And so you're constantly scanning your environment for data, for information that will help you survive. And you know, when you think about survival, you might think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The bottom layer is food and shelter and moving all the way up through social relationships and status and all the way up to self-actualization. You know, here in a first world economy, you're all students at Baylor. Hopefully you've got your food and shelter taken care of. Uh, you're thinking about more complicated ways of surviving. You're thinking about friendships. You're thinking about tribal connections. You're thinking about relationships is a big way that we survive because we, we feel like we survive better in a tribe. In fact, if I were to say to one of you, hey, can I get you a refill in your cup of coffee? You know, I'm going to the back of the room. You might say, well, Don is such a really wonderful person. He offered to get me a refill. That's not what's happening on a primitive level. What's happening on a very primitive level in our brains is I'm saying to you, can I get you a refill on your coffee? Because I would like to create a connection with you. And if I keep making these connections solid, you will have an affinity to me. We will create a bond so that if barbarians come over the hill behind our cul-de-sac tonight, you will fight with me. <laughs> so I have an ulterior, ulterior motive for getting you a cup of coffee. And I hate to say that it's that pragmatic or that uh, you know primitive, but it really is. We are constantly thinking about survival. And if you didn't, if you didn't think about survival all the time, you wouldn't be on the planet for very long. You wouldn't look both ways before you cross the street. You wouldn't have that pattern recognition of saying, oh, you know, I think I dated somebody like that before and it didn't go well. I'm not going to date somebody like that again. All of those are survival mechanisms being formed in your brain. What story does is it invites you into a story in which you have a better chance of surviving by addressing a certain enemy or villain in a certain way so that they can be overcome and you can be freed from the tyranny of that villain. I just described every story you have ever seen, maybe a philosophical villain or an idea or an actual villain. Or you know, you know, you can change out the dynamics of the plot points, but that is the basic structure of every story. Here's the miracle of story, though. The miracle of story is even though the brain spends 30% of its time daydreaming, it won't daydream while you're watching a story. If you actually engage in a story, you can go two, two and a half hours. If you start, uh, you know, a, a series on Netflix, you can go the whole weekend without daydreaming, just paying attention to this story and eating ice cream. It is the only tool known to man to captivate people's attention. It also motivates their behavior. So all directed behavior is directed truly by narrative structures. When we say, look, that's a villain who's going to get you, we have to overcome that villain in order to be free. People begin to move, they begin to take action. And so if we understand the formulas that create stories, we can actually invite people, followers, if you will, uh, customers, if you will, into a story that they almost have no choice but to step into, that is, if they emotionally resonate with the plot points of the story. That said, how do you actually do it? Well, I want to share with you a grid, and it's basically a really simple plot point structure to help you understand how this stuff works. There are really five things that you, you, you need in a story from a consumer standpoint. That is, if you're going to do effective marketing, there's 
five talking points or plot points that you would need to cover in your marketing campaign. The first is a problem. Every story and every good marketing campaign is going to start with a human being, a person, a hero that has a problem. But rather than going to the audience and saying, here's my problem, that's telling your story. But inviting them into a story says, here's your problem. If you are struggling with this, or we are tired of experiencing this, this is driving us crazy. If this is frustrating you, and if you think about the way you sell products, you sell products by first starting with the problem. You know, you've got a dirty sink and you can't, the, the scouring brush won't get it clean and it's driving you crazy. So we have made this particular whatever. Uh, you're really bored on the weekends. You never have anything to do. Uh, your family is not coming together. You're all divided. Therefore, we created a family pack for Walt Disney World. If you start with a problem and position your product as the solution to that problem, you're going to sell a lot more products. The problem is the hook. If I try to tell you a story without a problem, it's not going to be an interesting story. If I say, you know, I have a friend who loves to play volleyball and he lives in Los Angeles and he got a call saying his friends were down on the beach playing volleyball. Could he come down? He goes down, he sees his friends down there on the beach. He plays a couple of games. They all end in ties. Then one of them says, I'm hungry. And my friend says, well, there's a taco truck across the street. In fact, it's Taco Tuesday. It's buy one, get one free. Let's go over and get some tacos. They start eating tacos. There's a brisket taco and a chicken taco. There's an avocado taco. There's... This story is getting very, very boring. In fact, everybody listening to it is about to check out. You're actually saying to yourself, when is this story going to begin? But let's analyze that. It's a story did begin. It's a good story. It's about a guy who plays volleyball and eats tacos, but it's not interesting. What your brain is actually saying is, where's the problem? Where's the problem? A story doesn't get started. In other words, you don't get interested. You don't get what I call narrative traction until the story has a problem. So this gentleman is walking down the, to the beach. He looks at his friends. He's excited to play volleyball. And suddenly there's an earthquake. The ground opens up. Half of his friends fall into the hole in the ground. He himself stumbles to the floor and crawls around as the earth shakes. He looks, he hears the screaming of his friends down at the volleyball court. Now we have a story. And we have story questions. How are they going to get out of the hole in the ground? Are they going to survive? Is everybody going to be okay? Are they still going to eat tacos? We have a lot of story questions to answer here. And that's why you keep paying attention. And so when you actually open with a problem, you open a story loop in the customer's brain that they need to buy your product in order to close. I'm going to start, I'm going to say that again, because it's really important. When you sell a product and you start with a problem, you open a story loop in the customer's brain that they have to buy your product in order to close. For example, let's say you're at a party and you meet two people who do the exact same thing. You talk to the first person and you say, what do you do for a living? And they say, well, I'm an at-home chef. I come to your house and cook. Well, that's interesting. You're probably going to make some small talk. Where'd you go to school? Did you go to, did you study culinary skills in France? Did you, you know, did you ever cook for anybody famous? What's your favorite restaurants? What's your favorite recipe? All that kind of stuff. Well, you meet the second person you say, what do you do? And they say, well, you know how most families don't eat together anymore. And when they do, they don't eat healthy. I'm an at-home chef. That's different, isn't it? See, when you start with the problem, you actually define the value of the solution. Nothing in this world has value unless it solves a problem. Nothing in this world has value unless you solve a problem. In fact, to my young Baylor students there, if you want to be valuable as a business professional, own a problem. Own a problem. I'm a person who deeply understands mergers and acquisitions, and I know why so many people lose money when they perform a merger or an acquisition. I study the numbers. And I help you save a ton of money. You know how valuable you are if you can do that? You're extremely valuable, right? Uh, I'm a person who can walk into any company that's experiencing chaos 
Nobody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Everybody's wearing multiple hats. I bring in a management and productivity system that gets everybody aligned around three economic objectives, gets the company moving forward to optimize profit and revenue. You're valuable. But if you walk into a company and you say, I have a really great attitude. I comb my hair every morning. I brush my teeth. I never say cuss words. And uh, I really want to work here. I hear you have a, a great uh, benefits package. Not worth anything. Not worth anything. We don't have any of those problems. That's not a problem that we have. So while you're there at Baylor, learn to solve a problem. You're going to be incredibly valuable. While the markets may have seen a dip in quarter two venture capital funding, it does not mean your business is destined to plateau. Start scaling now by using any of HubSpot's thousands of in-house crafted integrations for marketing, sales, and service. HubSpot is on a mission to help your business grow better with a CRM platform that's easy to buy, use, and scale. Stuck on how to streamline your deals? The Sales Hub helps you close more deals by automating your busy work. Need to automate your social media? The Marketing Hub has everything you need to publish, post, and monitor your social media channels all in one place. And with Service Hub, centralized customer data keeps your support teams all moving in one direction, and that is forward. Learn how HubSpot can make it easier for your business to grow better at HubSpot.com. You know, there's one thing that's really clear as I talk to small business owners every week, and that's that they need a plan. They need a plan to follow as they grow their small business. I started my business without a plan and probably, ah, gosh, in the 10 years I've been running a business, I bet I've wasted four of those just chasing down uh, ideas that didn't really help me grow my company. The truth is a plan is actually very, very simple. Uh, there are six frameworks that you need to know. And if you know those six frameworks, you have a plan to grow a small business. You know what you are doing. That's exactly what you get at businessmadesimple.com. You get a plan to optimize revenue and profit. You need email addresses. You need focus on three economic objectives. You need a clear marketing message. You need to invite the customer into a story. That's our sales framework. You need to manage your cash flow so you don't run out. All of that is part of the plan that is available to you at businessmadesimple.com. Plus, I host a live stream. You get access to me every month live. You can actually ask me a question. Join thousands and thousands of business owners just like you who have a plan to optimize revenue and profit. If you join Business Made Simple, you will have a plan too. Go to businessmadesimple.com and get your plan. Optimize revenue and profit, and you will not only survive, you will thrive. Go to businessmadesimple.com. And now back to the show. All right. The next thing you have to do is position yourself or your product as a solution to the problem you just stated. So whenever you sell a product, when you position that product as the solution to a problem, that product, the value of that product goes up, just like the value of you on the open market. You're a product, by the way. And so if you position yourself as somebody who solves problems, you're going to get paid more. And if you position your product as a product that solves problems, you're going to get paid more. Now, if you solve a problem of grease on dishes, you're going to get paid $4 because you are a bottle of soap. The bigger the economic ramifications of the problem you solve, the more people are willing to pay for it. So if you say, uh, I can help you sell your company, you probably think your company is worth $60 million. I can sell it for $120 million. I take 20%. So it's going to cost you $25 million to sell your company. That's going to net you. I don't know. I'm not doing the math very well in my head. Might net you 10 or $15 million more. I can make you 10 or $15 million more than you would uh, if you tried to sell your company. You are now an extremely valuable person. 
So if you really want to make a lot of money in the world, solve problems that actually make other people a lot of money, and you're going to be paid more. That's basically how business works. So if we want to market our products, position our products as the solution to the problem that will save people money, save them time, make them money, some sort of benefit that they'd be willing to pay for. All right, now we've got a problem and we've got a solution to a problem. We're going to start selling a lot of products, but some people aren't going to buy those products. So there's another thing that we want to add to the story. We want to build a bridge using words, a mental bridge between the problem and the solution. And what we're going to do is we're going to offer a three-step plan. Our chef is going to say, uh, I'd love to cook for you. Here's how it works. It's a three-phase process. I come to your house. I talk to you about food allergies, what your favorite foods are, what you like to eat. Second, I'll cook one meal for you. I'm going to charge about 120 bucks for that. You'll have leftovers. So it basically makes about three meals. And if you like the food, I will come to your house once a week on a retainer basis and I'll cook meals for you. Three phases, three steps is a magical number that helps you sell a lot of products. If you say, here's your problem, here's my solution. If you take these three steps, everything's going to be okay. Those three steps can be almost anything. Sometimes it's, we do an intake, we issue a report, and then if you want to do business, you enter into a retainer. Sometimes it's go to the website, click buy now, download it, and make use of it. Three steps are powerful. Uh, even if you go buy a, bo a box of Pop-Tarts, on the side of the box of Pop-Tarts, literally, I'm not making this up, on the side of the box of Pop-Tarts, it says, open the package, put the Pop-Tart in a toaster, and then eat the Pop-Tart. <laughs> Who doesn't know how to eat a Pop-Tart? Well, we all know how to eat a Pop-Tart, but what, really what's that saying to our subconscious is it's really easy to get from your problem to our solution. It's really, really simple. Never overestimate how important it is to explain the process people should take to use your product. Don't think they're going to figure it out. Tell them, explain it. Marketing is defining and explaining the value that you're getting in exchange for money. That's a big part of it. And you need to put the cookies on a lower shelf. I meet young marketing professionals all the time who love colors and style books, and they study complicated ads from Vogue magazine. And then they get jobs in marketing and they basically rip people off because they make everything look so beautiful. Because really, what they think of themselves is they think of themselves as artists and they're making these beautiful, creative ads that people read and don't understand. And so don't buy the products. Sometimes the best marketing, which is the definition of value, explaining value to customers, sometimes it's just a big black and white text that just says it plainly. And so if you ever find yourself with a company and you just can't sell anything, it's probably because you're being an artist and not a marketer. If you want to be an artist, there's a whole different school at Baylor for that but we are paid to help these struggling small businesses and mid-side businesses make money. And we need to know how to invite customers into a story. Build a bridge, a three-step plan. Fourth, paint the stakes. You want to paint negative and positive stakes into the story. And here's what I mean by that. What will be won or lost if somebody does or does not buy your product? What will be won or lost? Why should I buy your product unless it is saving me from a rainy day and giving me a sunny day? You know, if you take the stakes out of a story, you ruin the story. Let's say Liam Neeson's daughter has been kidnapped and he's flying over the Atlantic Ocean to rescue her and he gets a call. And the call says, Liam, your daughter is actually fine. Yes, she was kidnapped. It's true. She was kidnapped, but it was a college prank. These are just some of her friends. She's great. She's here in the station. In fact, now she's looking forward to you coming over 
because she would like to do some shopping in the West End and she's considering grad school. And then the rest of the movie is 90 minutes of Liam Neeson going shopping with his daughter. Every dress fits and they're all half price and she's clearly going to Dartmouth. We have ruined this movie. <laughs> we have ruined the movie. Why? Because nothing can be won or lost. There's no urgency. There's no reason to pay attention. When we paint the stakes, what can be won or lost if people do or do not buy your product, you up the sense of urgency as it relates to those products. When our chef says, uh, I can come over and do an intake session with you guys, remember, you only have so many meals left before the kids go off to college. Ooh, low blow, right? That is a punch in the gut for any parent who wants to spend time with their kids. And uh, that's the negative stakes. But then he says, people who hire me sit down at the table, look each other in the eye, have pleasant conversations, deeply connect, and don't worry about cooking, and don't worry about cleaning up. Positive stakes. So the negative and positive stakes create a sense of urgency in the story. They make people want to cross that bridge. We've got a problem. We've got a solution. We've got a bridge that we're trying to get people to cross, three steps, and the stakes light a fire on one side of the bridge and paint a picture of heaven on the other and get more people to cross the bridge. Finally, we want to call people to action. We want to say, cross the bridge. You should buy this product. And we need a fixed call to action that actually gets results. You know, I see so many times when I review websites and marketing collateral that people create, I mean, really expensive people who've been in the business 20 years, they'll create marketing collateral that'll say things on the website like learn more or get started. What in the world does that mean? Learn more, get started. A good call to action is buy now, schedule a call, enter your credit card here. You're, you're asking for the sale at this point. You're not asking to be friends. This is, a, this is a relational transaction, but it's also a business transaction. And an authentic business transaction says, I have a solution to your problem that costs money. If you give me money, I'll give you that solution. Anything else is an inauthentic relationship in which you're trying to be friends with somebody just to get their money. Let's stop doing that. Be, have an authentic business relationship with your customers and call them to action with a clear call to action. Buy now, schedule a call. I want you to buy this product to solve your problem. And I'm not going to mix words about it. I'm not afraid of rejection. I know it will solve your problem. If you don't buy it, somebody else will, and it'll solve their problem. And you'll just keep having the same problem. I'm not going to apologize for having a product that works. That's the kind of boldness that a marketer has to have. Often marketers get into this business and they're passive aggressive about sales. They never want to ask for money. They don't want to trouble a customer. And so they don't have any money. They don't make any money and their business fails. You are in a profession for the bold, the bold. This is a great product. You should have it. You may be afraid to be somebody who uses people or sleazy or sales. Never, ever sell a product to anybody if the product doesn't work. Don't do it. Never sell a product to anybody if it's a ripoff. Just don't do it. I'll walk away every single time. My reputation is worth more than that. But I'll gladly sell you something that is actually of great value. All right, let's go through it again. How do you sell somebody something? How do you invite somebody into a story? How do you lead a movement? Start with a problem. By the way, one problem. I'm not going to give you three or four problems. Commas are not your friend. Commas are not your friend. In writing, if you're using commas, you're not making a pointed point. You're not being decisive. There is a problem in a story. There are not 30. There's a main problem in the story. Jason Bourne wants to know who he really is. Jason Bourne doesn't just want to know who he really is and also adopt a cat and run a marathon and lose 30 pounds and marry the woman. Nobody would know what that movie's about. He wants to know who he is. It's one thing. 
Stick to one thing for the problem. Position your product as the solution to that problem. Build a bridge between the problem and the solution with a three-step plan. Create a sense of urgency by painting the positive and negative stakes that make people want to cross that bridge and then ask them to cross the bridge. Ask them to cross the bridge. That is good marketing. Everything else is the creation of art. Now, is the creation of art important? Is branding important? If I could choose between a pretty website and an ugly website, I will choose the pretty website every time. However, if I had to choose between a pretty website with very confusing language and passive aggressive calls to action, or an ugly website with an extremely clear message that invites people into a story, I will choose the ugly website every time because it will grow my business and the pretty website will do nothing. In fact, I might as well print it out, frame it, and put it above the fireplace because at that point, I'm just a patron to the arts. I did not invest in marketing. I bought a piece of art. Marketing is about inviting people into a story with extremely clear language. Now, let me just say this. If you know how to do what I just explained, you are in an elite class of marketers. Elite class of marketers. You are extremely valuable. Most marketers who are paid hundreds and hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars, don't know how to do this. They're artists. If you really want to be good, do great marketing and great branding. But cute and clever don't win the day. Clarity wins the day. If you want to start a movement, if you want to grow a company, if you want to be a good marketer, make the customer the hero and invite them into a story. I mean, just what an honor to be invited to speak to the students at Baylor and any other college students who end up hearing this episode. Uh, you know, what a great thing. I got to tell you, I, you know, I, I was wondering why it meant so much to me because they reached out and I was like, why are you so happy about this? I was even telling my wife, you know why? Here's why. Because I didn't go to college. After I graduated from high school, I graduated with just D minus and barely squeaked out of that school. Regardless, uh, plan of action. I always end these these podcasts with a plan of action, and basically it summarizes the big takeaway points from you know that we talked about. And really, that that last little conversation I think was the plan of action. I mean, the idea is differentiate yourself by owning a problem, differentiate yourself by owning a problem, and differentiate your products by owning a problem. Uh, you know, that's really it. And uh, I don't see any reason to add anything other than that. If you can do that. You are so valuable on the open market. And I think it does take a minute. You know, you're not going to have it right out of college. You might solve one problem and be known for that and then maybe solve another and switch to your heart lights up when you solve this problem. But as soon as you find it and you realize, I could spend the next 20 to 30 years doing this and I'd be completely happy, market the heck out of yourself. I mean, just become known as the person who solves that problem because you're buying mental real estate in somebody's brain. It, when, they, when people go to look for product services leaders, they actually don't look for us by name. They look for us by problem we solve. And when they get to the problem you solve, you want to be the dominant name in their Rolodex. You want to be known for that. That's incredibly valuable. Niche down on that. That's the question for everybody listening to my voice. What problem do you solve? And what problem can you be known for solving? And then market yourself that way. Tell people that's the problem that you solve. If you do that, you can create value in the marketplace and you can differentiate yourself from, uh, from your competitors. You can market yourself by owning a story. Uh, fantastic. Thanks for the students at Baylor for stimulating such a great conversation. Loved uh, being able to talk to you. 
Uh, Thank you so much for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we teach you to run your business and engineer it like an airplane. We want your business to fly far and fast. See you again next week.